Right. Take your Bibles with me to Numbers chapter number 1. Numbers chapter 1. We'll look at a few passages through the book of Numbers, and we're going to um, see some things. And hold your place there. Numbers 1 will be there in a couple of minutes. We see, as we get into the book of Numbers, chronologically we pick up where we left off in the book of Exodus. At the base of Mount Sinai, as the tabernacle had been built, and God's preparing to lead his people where he intended for them to go. If you take the first four books of the Bible that we've gone through already, you take Genesis, you see the creation and the fall of man, and the beginning of God's redemptive plan for man. The book of Exodus, you see God's redemption take place. See the book of Leviticus, you see the worship and fellowship. Then you see in Numbers, service and walk, fulfilling God's plan for our lives. Lots of things you can see. And that's really the order of the Christian life, how it's meant to be. And as we go through here tonight, and as we see several things, I want you just uh, to focus in on it. Sometimes we go through books of the Bible, and I had several of you a couple weeks ago be like, I did not realize the book of Leviticus had so much to it and how wonderful it is. There's a reason why it's in the Bible. God has a reason for all of it. And the book, the Bible's an amazing book. And the more you dive into it, you will never figure out everything that's in the Bible because it's too amazing of a book. You can read story after story hundreds of times, and yet you still don't pick up on things because it's God's words. It's an amazing book. It's a book full of life. And we're here and we see Numbers chapter 1. We look at verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month in the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families, by the house of their fathers, with the number of their names, every male by their poles. And that talks about all these different things. Why is it called Numbers? Because they're taking a census. And in fact, again, at the end of the book, another census is taken. So the name Numbers comes from the fact that they were numbering the people. This takes place, this book takes place over a period of about 39 years. And there are three, this area as we look at tonight and we talk about things, there are some things that happen. You have in chapters 1 through chapter number 12, we have, they start out at the base of Mount Sinai, and they get to Kadesh Barnea. And Kadesh Barnea is an interesting place. That is where the 12 spies are sent into Canaan. And they go in to check out the land. God never told them to go see if they could conquer it or not. God had already promised them the land. That land was their land. They needed to have faith and take the land that God had promised them. We see the 12 spies go in. And uh, I love that kid's song, Ten Were Bad and Two Were Good. And uh, how many of you know that kid's song, Twelve Men Went to Spy on Canaan? Some of you, how many of you kids know that song? Not very many of you. You're missing out on a classic kid's song. And uh, I would teach it to you right now, but I'll do it. Those at Awanas, I'll teach it to you one of these weeks. Ten were bad and two were good. Those are some of the hand motions to it. So I'll save that for you another time. And uh, so... The evil report that was given, the people end up following it. There was judgment from God. We see the rebellion that takes place at Kadesh Barnea. Then they spend a lot of years wandering in the wilderness. That's what chapter 13 through chapter 33, that's that time that takes place. And then we see in chapter 34 to 36, 
they return to Kadesh Barnea. And I will probably talk maybe a little bit about it more as we dive in and later on in the message tonight here in the book of Numbers. But they wandered a long time for no reason. They didn't trust God. If they would have trusted God, there was no reason to wander all those years in the wilderness. They could have been at Kadesh Barnea and gone into the promised land 40 years before this time. When we look and we talk about the book of Numbers, and if I were to give you a summary of the book, God told his people where he wanted them to go. It was not going to be an easy task. You see what, the, what Canaan was like. Talk about how big those grapes were. Imagine having the grapes that they had in those days today. Wouldn't that be nice if you could buy grapes like they had? And uh, some of the biggest ones you get nowadays are Costco or Sam's Club. But they don't compare to the grapes of Canaan. And God told his people where he wanted them to go. And because they did not focus on God and focused on the surrounding people, and because they trusted the advice of the ten that went in and not the two that had the faith in God, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They lost an entire generation of people and saw thousands die in their midst simply because they did not follow God and what God had planned for them. In the book of Numbers, we see great debilitating, debilitating effects of doubt. In our lives, there are effects from doubting God and what he has for us. Their lack of faith in God here in the book of Numbers and his plan and his power led to lost time. Forty years. That's a long time. I'm 34 years old. I'm not even 40 years old yet. And they wandered in the wilderness longer than the time I've been alive. How would you like to miss out on what God has for you and wander and miss out on the blessing of God? There was a whole generation that did not get to see and go into the promised land that God had promised them. There were a lot of lost opportunities for the people. A lot of people died during that time. They lost blessing. Disobedience and doubting God has high consequences to it. Our disobedience can change. And let me just say, God has a plan for your life and mine. God's plan for the children of Israel, if they followed God's perfect will, they would have gone into the promised land right away. Now, what happens is, we see they don't obey God. Eventually, the children of Israel still go where God wanted them to go. But there was a whole generation of people that missed out on it from their disobedience to God. And you can miss out on the blessings of God and things that God has for you by our lack of faith and our disobedience to him. It's seen very clearly throughout the, the book of Numbers here. The main story in the book of Numbers, I want you to take your Bibles to chapter 13. I want to read a little bit about it with you. And then I will give you an outline of the book. And then we'll be done tonight. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And we're going to read some verses here. Verse number 1 and 2, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. Look at this. Which I give unto the children of Israel. He says, 
I'm giving it to you. Keep on reading there. It says, Of every tribe of their father shall he send a man, every one a ruler among them. Go down to verse number seven, verse number um, 17. The Bible says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein. Whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in them, dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood thereof or not, therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first tribe grapes. And they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin. And then it goes unto Raboth, as, unto the wilderness of Zin, unto Rahab, as men came to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, Shema, and Talma, something like that, the children of Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt, and they came unto the brook of Eshkol, and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. One cluster of grapes two people had to carry. You go into Stater Brothers for a cluster of grapes, and I don't need any help. In fact, that cluster of grapes almost fits in Matthew's hand. It's so small. Imagine how big those grapes are. Say, could there really have been grapes that big? It's what the Bible says. And the Bible's always right. God doesn't exaggerate. He tells the truth. And it says, the place was called the Brook of Eshkel because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from searching, verse 25, of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to the Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sent us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great and moreover we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coasts of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are all well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we are in their sight. And look at verse chapter. 14 verse 1 and all the congregation lift up their voice and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them would God that we have died in the land of Egypt or would God have had, had we had died in the wilderness 
And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword, where the wise or by the children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain, and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel, and Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of um, Junipheth, why do I always, I always mess up on that one. And then in this Bible, it's split up into two different lines. That doesn't help you out either. We'll just leave that one for Ryan to say later. Which were of the land that search, which were of them of that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we, we pass through to search it is exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, that he'll bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. For they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us, fear them not. For the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And we see, you go down to verse number 26, the Bible says, The Lord spake unto Moses, unto Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ear, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you according to the whole number from twenty year old and upward, which have murmured against me, Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell there and save Caleb and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, which ye should, which ye should be a prey, them will I bring in, and them, and they shall know that the land which ye despised. But as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness." And your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. That's the main story of the book. What a sad thing to read about and to see. God said in chapter 13, I will give you the land. And what happens? They go in. And those ten come back. We cannot beat those people. Let me just say something tonight. They could not beat those people in their own strength. They were no match to the people there. But God's the one who said, I will give you this land. It was God who was going to fight the battle for them. I want you to understand something, and as we look at this, and as we study this tonight, what did they do? They got their eyes on the people of the land. They took their eyes off the God of heaven. As we go through this life, there are going to be many challenging things that happen. It's going to get tough. It's not always going to be easy. But God's promises are still true. And we must keep our focus on the Lord. And not get sidetracked. And yes, that those people, they were mighty. Yes, all these things. But God was going to give them victory. 
And they missed out on so much because they didn't trust the Lord. As we go through here tonight, I'm going to give you a brief outline, and this is where you can write down your notes, and then we'll be done tonight. We're going to go through a brief outline of the book. We see, number one, we see God's directives. The first ten, ten chapters, God gives directions and some directives for the people. He man, it almost sounds like a classroom in here, doesn't it? They're all flipping the page. It sounds like a classroom to me. All you need now is a little desk there for you and everything else. And that, No, 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 not going there. Songbook works. See, songbooks are good to sing out of and to use to write on. And so God's directives, he tells them some things. God says, first off, that they were supposed to number the people. And then through chapter 1 through 10, he gave them living arrangements and how to set up around camp and how to set things up. up. Also gave them travel arrangements. As they moved and as they traveled, how to do it and how to take care of it. He gave them service arrangements. And all these things, he was giving them some directives on how to go and how to get things done. And then the letter E, he told them where to settle as a nation. God had a plan for every part of their lives as they left Egypt. God knew where they needed to live, um, where and how to serve. God had a perfect plan and had all the details figured out. You know, he's got the same thing for us. He's got a plan for all of us. He's got the details figured out. And that's why we've got to learn to trust him. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean on to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. What's he going to do? He'll direct you right where you need to go. Trust him. We see God's directives. God had a plan. We see number two, we see the people, we see the disgruntled people. Chapter number 11 talks about these people, and I'll read a few verses as you write in there. Chapter number 11 and verse number one says, And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses. We see they complained, they murmured, they were disgruntled. Think about all God had done for them. They are slaves in Egypt. They want to get out of Egypt. And so what does God do? God brings a deliverer. All the awesomeness of God is on display in Egypt. All the plagues take, take place. All these things happen. And God gets them out. On the way out, Pharaoh's army decides to follow the children of Israel. And he changed his mind. Get to the Red Sea crossing. The children of Israel walk on dry ground and cross the Red Sea. God delivers them. Pharaoh's army is destroyed. God's power is seen. He gives them water to drink. He takes care of them. He gives them a covenant and gives them the commandments. And he does all these things. But over and over again, you see the people just complain. And they murmur. They're disgruntled. They're not happy with God and all that he does. And sometimes I look at the children of Israel in the Old Testament like, how stupid are you? And then I look in the mirror. How stupid am I? I'm talking about, look at all he's given us. And we complain and complain and complain. And God's been so very good. But we see the congregation, they begin to complain. We see even the leaders begin to complain. 
So we see God's directives. He gives some set, course of action. We see the disgruntled people in chapter number 11 and things. And then we see, thirdly, we talk about the book, we see the doubt that takes place. In chapter number 13, as we read there just earlier, it's a dangerous thing to doubt God and His Word and His plan. It's a dangerous thing. It's written up there for you. It's a dangerous thing to doubt God and His Word and His plan and his man, if his man is sharing the words of God. The 12 spies went in. Let me ask you tonight. I will give you a prize tonight, okay? Do not look in your Bible. I will give you, I will, I will give you $50 to your favorite restaurant if someone can answer this with no help. Name one of the 10 spies that gave the bad report. Can you name the bad report? Joshua and Caleb gave the good report. We remember them. Can anybody name one of the ten that gave the bad report? Someone's going to say, um, um, what's the common name of that day? Anybody? <laughs> We're like, let's go back to chapter 13 and see the name of every man out of the tribe. Do you remember the name of any of them? No. Why? Because they doubted the Lord. The two that were remembered, the ones who held on to God's promise and claimed his promise. They were the ones that God, re that they're the ones who we remember. It's amazing how that works. We see doubt, and whew, I thought I was going to have to give someone a steak dinner there, or dinner, but you didn't do it, so, all right, that's good. So Caroline, your date money's still safe for this week, all right? And so, we see doubt. What came from the doubt, number four, was disobedience. God told them what he wanted them to do, and they doubted God, and it led to disobedience. There's another story that we looked at a few weeks ago, wasn't there? How Satan did his best to get this lady to doubt the word of God. And what did it lead to? Disobedience. Doubting God leads to disobedience, which... When you get into this area and you get from where you're doubting God and you become disobedient, it leads you to point number five as we go through the outline of the book of Numbers. Being directionless. They wandered for 40 years. In these years, a lot of bad things happen. Um, we have the story of Korah. Chapter 16 talks about the story of Korah. The earth swallows them up alive. One of the saddest verses, I think, in the whole passage of the book of Numbers is chapter 16. Even after the warning, the people still did these things. Um, think about this. After that, 14,740 of them die from a plague. All as they're wandering around directionless. Miriam dies. They complain about water. God gives them water. God tells Moses, what does he tell him? To speak to the rock. Does Moses do things God's way? No. And there are some, you could look at a lot of um, Bible story books and things and stories that people tell and they'll say that God told him to smite the rock once but he did it twice and that was the sin that's not found there he was told to speak to the rock 
That's what he was told. A lot of people get that messed up for some reason. And one of the main things we see that Moses, and I love how in that video and as I was studying the book of uh, Numbers, I said you, new things pop out you all the time. I love how it, and, and not that I love how this was said, but Moses says, do we have to do this again? He elevated himself and put himself with God. And Moses was not on that level. And Moses disobeyed God. And God punished him. Now you might say, God shouldn't have punished him so hard. Look at what he was dealing with. Do you realize it's not our job to tell God how to judge and how he does things? God knows what he's doing, and it's not our job to try and figure those things out. But Moses does not get to enter the promised land because he smokes the rock twice. He does not obey God. Um, Later on, Miriam dies. Aaron dies during this time. There's the plague of the fiery serpents in chapter number 21. And then then God will deliver them if they look to that serpent raised up on that pole. And remember the book of John talks about that just a little bit? And as we see that, you've got to focus on Jesus. It's important. They continue their journey. And as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land with a new generation, we see a lot of directionless, a lot of wasted time. But also during that time of direct, directionless time that they had, not only was there a lot of bad things that happened, but God still, there was lots of, number six, deliverance that took place. God is a God of justice and judgment. But let me remind you of something. He's also a God of love, forgiveness, and mercy. The brazen serpent, if you look to it, you could be healed. The daily manna that he gave them, he fed them every day. He gave them water from the rock, his provision. He protected them and gave them victory over their enemies. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes, God took care of everything. In the midst of them complaining and murmuring all these things, God still did so much. There was still in the wilderness a cloud by day and fire by night. What a God that he'd be so loving and merciful in spite of all that would take place. And then we see number seven. We see their destiny. A second census has taken place and preparations for the new generation to enter God's plan and promised land are getting ready to take place. Joshua was appointed to take over for Moses after Moses' death. There's some military battles that take place. Chapter 35, I want to encourage you sometime, in, and like I said, this is an overview of everything. I want to challenge you, read chapter 35 sometime, and we see the cities of refuge that were made. Six cities for those who were guilty, but they could dwell within those places in safety. It's a picture of Christ and how we can get forgiveness and get safety in Him. Even though we're guilty, He is our city of refuge. One thing that we see throughout the entire book, and as we come to a close here, we see the fact that God was going to lead them into the promised land. And just because they doubted him and disobeyed him, 
didn't mean that God's plan still was not going to work out. God took someone else in. He took their kids in. And Joshua and Caleb got to go in. God's will will still happen. Like it or not, what we do. God will do what he says he's going to do. If I could give you an application and tie things together and give you something, I always, knowledge without application, I feel, is meaningless. You must have application. The application is this, number one, God has a plan. Very simply, God has a plan, and God had a plan to have a number of the people, the camp, the place, all these things. God had the promised land for them. God had a plan for everything. Let me remind you of something tonight, Christian. God has a plan for your life. He does. He's got a plan for you. And are you ready? It's a tough, tough, tough application tonight. Number two, follow his plan. That's the, that's the whole application night. God has a plan. Follow his plan. Do you know what happens? We mess it up when we get disgruntled, when we doubt, and when we're disobedient to him. Follow his plan. The children of Israel's lives could have been so much better if they just followed God's plan. So very simply, God has a plan. Follow it. And there's a brief outline on the book of Numbers. Father, thank you.